when we experience trauma, our brain knows that we survived. Our mind knows that, okay, the trauma is over. But our sensations in our body and our emotions don't. Hey guys, welcome to our SoulFam podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I am your host, my name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. Today on the show, we have Marina, the compassionate somatic coach. Welcome to the show, Marina. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing super good. I've just had another podcast with my dear friend Ocean just before this one. And it just energized me so much because I love doing podcasts. I love speaking to people and discovering their healing modalities and everything and how they handle their emotions. And so I'm really excited to talk to you too, because I know that you know a lot about this topic. And uh, yeah, as, as the name indicates, compassionate somatic coach uh, that says something, right? So I'm super excited to talk to you. And I would love to start from uh, maybe a little explanation. What does it mean to be a compassionate somatic coach? What does it mean to you? Why did you choose this as your identification? And also, where did it come from? Like, is it the story behind it? And how did you become a compassionate somatic coach specifically? Yeah, so I chose that name because I feel like my work, my work centers around self-compassion is kind of like the basis. And self-compassion is an actual practice uh, from UCSD, which is actually the university that I went to. It was developed by um, Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer, and they have a whole beautiful workbook that really, really changed the way I treated and talked to myself. And I feel like in order to really see what we want to transform in our life, we have to first see it with compassion rather than judgment because self-compassion really allows us to see it as it truly is and not just project something onto it. So that's the compassionate piece. And also as a coach, I don't like this attitude that I sometimes see in the self-development world that is like very harsh and oh do the thing like go you know go do it push yourself um of course i believe that we need to see reality and the places where we're stuck and things like that but i think when we do that with compassion it just moves us forward so much faster than this really harsh attitude. Um, and then the somatic piece, which I think may be even more interesting, I think to you as well, um, comes from the body-based work that I'm really interested in. And I started in self-development very much in the mind, analyzing thoughts, changing the mindset, all that kind of thing. And I felt really stuck myself when I was doing that, like nothing was shifting in my life too much. And then when I found the body-based approach from somatic experiencing, from different coaches that I had that really told me to feel my body and sit with my emotions rather than keep thinking about why I'm stuck, then things really started to shift and transform. So then I went into this world like head first and was so excited because of the changes that happened for me. And then I started sharing it with my clients. Mm, that's amazing. I can totally relate to you because a few years ago I was a very intellectual person and not very emotional in terms of like suppressing all the negativity straight away because for me, for my personality type, it was like, 
what for would I even feel these negative emotions? Like, it doesn't make sense if I can just go and enjoy life. And then there was so much suppressed trauma inside me because I just simply didn't see a point in it. And then I discovered like, oh, this is actually the biggest point in life to do this, to, to go into the feelings and to uh, actually feel totally. them, right? But it wasn't easy. And we also, I feel, have this world of that is very mentally and action-based rather than emotion-based. I mean, of course we feel emotions, but even the, the school and schooling structure is not designed to acknowledge the, all these people who take the world emotionally, not intellectually, or that don't take action so easily. And I was even speaking to a friend today um, when he had this experience where, you know, his mom was saying like, oh, do you want this or that? And then he took his time because he's an emotional person to feel into the answer. And then the mom would be like, did you hear me? Like, <laughs> do you listen? And it's like, yeah, I do. But I, I still need time to feel into my emotions and to feel which decision or which answer is the best for me, right? And I feel like the, the world doesn't really include this approach in learning, in structures that we have that some people are just simply... Uh, attuned to their feelings and they need to feel their feelings first before they make any decision before they think intellectually or and so on and so i can really relate to this uh, <laughs> this kind of approach because i was there i really didn't want to feel my feelings you know but not right now i feel like i'm way better that after a few years of doing uh, this kind of therapeutic work on myself and uh, yeah so there, here we are just preaching emotions right now uh, right which is really really great how much we can expand and how much potential we can open if we expand these areas of life that are not that comfortable and not that normal for us to uh, to go into, I guess. But I would love to come back to this um, topic of compassion because I feel like it is a big, big topic. <laughs> we could probably talk about it for ages. Um, but I feel like it's not that easy for people to feel compassion towards themselves because of the, again, societal structures or the ways that people handle things or, you know, uh, things like, good girls shouldn't do this or that or good boys or whatever else is there that is programming us um, with this. And so for these people who really struggle with compassion and especially towards themselves, right? Because it's easy to just feel compassionate towards, uh, I don't know, a homeless person or a little kitten on the street, uh, you know, who doesn't have food. But to, to feel it towards yourself, it's actually uh, quite a challenge, I feel. So what would you say to all these people who still struggle with it? Yeah, I mean, I struggled with it for a long time and I definitely grew up in a culture that was like, dr like progress is driven by self-criticism. That is how we move forward. And, oh, yeah. and what really helped me, first of all, in that book, <laughs> in that book, they really talk about how that is so not true. And I kind of help people map out their own cycle to see how when they judge themselves, when they criticize themselves over something, they get even more stuck. Usually it follows with self-pity because it's like, I just abused myself, so now I'm going to feel sorry for myself too. And so they get stuck in this loop, in the cycle. And when we really map it out, it's kind of the first step to see, oh, this is not productive. I thought it was, but it's actually not. And then the second part is looking at all the science that says how productive self-compassion is and how it actually really helps us achieve our goals. So that's that piece. And 
the actually taking action, there's so many beautiful practices. And like you said, with emotions, it's a practice. We're not born with it. We just have to practice over and over until we get it. And my fav- one of my favorites is actually really to see yourself as your inner child. And if you are unable to do that, to see, envision a child or an animal, like you said, it's very easy for us to have compassion for a baby or or a baby animal, to imagine them and to feel compassion for them and to really feel that in your body, not just think about it. And then you kind of transfer that into seeing the little you, the little self of yours And realizing that every time you're triggered and you do things that you regret and then you judge yourself, that's who is actually showing up, is that part of you. And it's just a part. It's not all of who you are. So I really like also um, drawing from internal family systems and how they see, I'm not like an expert in it, but I just love how they see parts in everyone. And it's like, this is just a part of you. It's not all of who you are, this person, this part that you're judging. And so we can actually even take it out of our body and examine, oh, let's look at this part. Let's get curious about this part. And that curiosity too is really, really helpful. And I feel like when you feel really stuck in that, if you have another person that supports you to like see things that way and also embodies that, it can be really, really helpful. Yeah, this is amazing. Thank you for sharing. I really can... uh relate to that because I had this session with, because I also do trauma work and inner child work with my clients. And once we did this session where I was like, okay, so you see yourself as a little baby and like, can you love it? Can you have compassion to it? And she was like, no, not really. Then I was like, okay, so imagine your dog and imagine that the soul of your dog is in this baby right now. That is you because, and then kind of like bypassed, uh, you know, (laughs) the other way to, to just let her feel this love and this acceptance and this compassion towards her own inner child. And I feel like that was a little trick uh, that just came to my mind as you were speaking, that sometimes we can feel the feeling towards someone else and then just transfer it back to ourselves because we already are familiar with how this energy feels in our body. And I also do it in my meditations because I run uh, chakra meditations events and I also wrote my own uh, chakra meditation. I often do it with the feeling because it's sometimes way easier, for example, for people pleasers to feel this love and compassion towards the other person than towards themselves, right? And the other way around for people who are more self-centered and raised in a way that they needed to isolate to feel safe, it's way safer and and feels better for them to feel uh, love towards themselves rather than to others. But I feel like it's the perfect balance is when we can feel it to us and everyone else. But I feel like it always starts with us because we cannot feel someone else's cup before we fill our own so as you said self-compassion is the way here because when you open yourself up you open your heart chakra you open you know your energy to feel this feeling of compassion and really we can program our subconscious mind to feel compassionate by repetition right by all these practices that we can do um, and then it's way easier for us to feel it in everyday life and i really yeah really resonate with uh, everything that you're saying and it's so uh, powerful, I think, to be compassionate. But on this note, like because you do also do trauma work and inner child uh, healing and stuff, 
I want to ask, like, how long did it take you to really fully feel compassion towards yourself and see yourself as this inner child as well and see others as inner children too? Because I guess that's what happened uh, as well as you were doing this work. This happens to everyone who I work with that then at some mm. point, if you get triggered by someone, it's not like, oh, this person triggered me. It's like, oh, the inner child within this person feels hurt now. And so what can I do to make it feel more comfortable? Or, you know, you just get more compassion towards yourself, but also to others, the more you do this work, because you understand the trauma, you understand the trigger, you understand that it's not actually them <laughs> getting triggered. It's just the part of them, as you said, that is the inner child. So I'm curious to know, when did this shift happen for you? Or maybe it happened really fast or not, where you really felt like you can compassionately see the other person and their trigger and your trigger as the inner child like did it take you a long time or was it coming with the practice or do you still sometimes feel like you uh, you know struggle to to see it when you're super triggered <laughs> how do you how do you perceive it of course <clears throat> yeah so that's a great question and um, we, we stop taking things as personally right like that's what I hear from you which is so powerful like we, we see that that person has their stuff and they're just projecting it onto us, but it's not personal and there's nothing wrong with us. And that's kind of the part of us that gets hurt if it does is like the part that takes it very personally. So of course I get triggered. Um, I think it's, I get triggered, but I can shift it really fast. Um, mm -hmm. My mom was telling me the other day because she witnessed it. She witnessed I got this text and I was like, <gasps> and she could like see the, the trigger in my body and my reaction and the, the time that I just shifted into being more present was so fast. So that is what I think shifted the most. And it really inspired my mom. And now she's like doing her own work, which is cool. Um, I think it's really about the the time between the trigger and when you're like, you, you become more present and you realize like, okay, this is not actually me that's getting hurt. Like it's not personal against me. Um, but it took years. I remember even the idea of self-compassion seemed dumb like I just remember being like okay <laughs> so accepting everything then I'm not gonna change anything in my life everything is gonna stay the same like what the hell is this I really remember that time you know um in my 20s even and even realizing that change happens not by doing like we don't make change happen it happens more through presence and stillness and acceptance and that's how transformation even happens in the first place i think that's so fascinating so that it took years for sure to really start to embody that and first i think it was easier for me to feel it kind of towards myself like you said and and really embody compassion you know when i would have really difficult times and moments when i would go into the freeze response when i would go into anxiety really having compassion for those states that was kind of the first step and then now really practicing it within relationship you know with friendships and with my partner where it's like super super hard uh with the people closest to us it's extra hard because they mirror <laughs> all of the parts of us that we disown about ourselves you know so that oh, yes. is more challenging and i would say that 
Yeah, <laughs> I would say that now, like what I kind of do is when I feel that trigger coming, I just kind of take space from people so that I don't put my anger on them or put my sadness on them and kind of like process it on my own quietly with myself. And then I come back to them so that I don't kind of put the trigger as they are responsible for my trigger. Mm, that's so good because this is the victim mentality, right? That we like to blame other people like you were the one triggering me, but it's like, yeah, kind of, maybe it was the trigger, but it wasn't the reason why you feel how you're feeling. The reason is somewhere in childhood in with your mom, with your dad with your teacher at school or a friend who took your toy or whatever else is there so yeah this is really uh, really beautiful and i can really relate to this so you are a master of uh, nervous system regulation uh, as i guess you might say because as you say if, if it didn't take you long to come back to your presence then you could regulate your nervous system in a way that you were be able to come back to the moment right so i feel like i would really love to ask about this like how does it happen that our nervous system can like dysregulate, right? And also your favorite ways, because I know there are probably many, many ways, but your favorite ways of uh, regulating your nervous system. Yeah, I love this. Um, and it's so true. It's exactly that is what we have to do in those moments when we're very charged is to regulate our nervous system in that moment. So I don't know if you've talked about this before in the podcast, but we have three nervous. And this also, by the way, just knowing this information really helped me with compassion because I was like, why am I so charged? Why am I so crazy? Or why am I so shut down? And then when I realized, oh, it's physiology, like it's not me being a bad person, that really helped. So we have three nervous system states from the vagus nerve. One is um, be the present, you know, being present, being compassionate, being curious, which is the ventral vagal state. And we want to spend the most time possible in that state. And in that state, we can see clearly that we are being triggered and we can be present to it and not merge with the trigger. The emotion doesn't overtake us and we can actually separate from the emotion. Like we feel the emotion, obviously, but we can also tune into the adult self. Like I am an adult and here is this deep, intense emotion coming from childhood and I can feel that in my body. So that's in the ventral vagal state. Then we have the sympathetic state, which is when we're anxious, we're fight or flight, we're angry, very intense energy. And when you think of trauma, we need that in order to survive trauma, we need to fight or flee. But if we can't fight or flee because we don't have the resources for whatever reason, either emotionally or we can't actually physically run away or fight the person, then we go into shutdown, which is this dorsal vagal state where our bodies shut down, where uh, we feel really helpless and hopeless. And that is the numb state. Like we feel numb in our body so that we don't feel the pain of death essentially during trauma. So learning this was helpful and knowing, really mapping out my own states. I do this with all my clients. You know, what what state were you in during this trigger, right? Like really understanding that is so helpful because then you're like, okay, right now 
I am anxious. And so all of my thoughts are crazy and they don't make sense. And it doesn't mean the world is ending or that my partner wants to kill me. Like <laughs> this, this is illogical. So even knowing that is very helpful. And so that's kind of what I do is I tell myself I'm currently in my trauma response. That sentence kind of separates me from the trauma response. It's not that the trauma response is all there is, but there's like separation. And then um, really, honestly, what I find the most helpful these days is feeling my hands and my feet, feeling the floor, allowing my body to feel supported and kind of asking like, what is okay right now in my body? What feels okay still? Um, it took a long time to get there. I remember even going into my body, I would fall asleep within 10 minutes. So it was really like the work that it took to get to the point where, okay, now I can just feel my hands and my feet and it feels good. And I feel the energy coming down and then I can actually access the emotion from a really regulated state to get here. It took several years of somatic experiencing. And one of the tools that was most helpful for me was pendulation, which is where you kind of move your attention, your focus within your body between something that feels okay and something that feels really tense or constricted or tight. And that basically works through our nervous system to like a pendulum swing from side to side, we kind of encourage the nervous system to go until it settles into regulation. So that I still use that all the time. If I feel like I have an emotion, but I cannot access it because I start to be anxious, the anxiousness builds, and then I go into full-on shutdown and I am out, um, I use pendulation first, and then I access the emotion. Mm, this is really helpful. Thank you for sharing. I've never heard of this specific method, but I guess it might be quite powerful because it's kind of like a preparation. It's like, okay, now I'm going to kind of like relax a bit <laughs> inside and then I'm ready to go straight in and deep into my trauma, deep into my trigger. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing this. And so on this note of kind of regulating your nervous system, I'm kind of thinking some people... When they get into this trauma work, they kind of get a little bit addicted to it. And what I mean by that is when you know how amazing it feels to go through the trauma and to heal yourself, you might feel like, oh, okay, now I want to heal everything. And now I want to, you know, go into all these triggers and traumatize myself more so that I can be free of it more and improve my life. But that can also be quite, uh, yeah, detrimental to people because... It, it might be too much for their nervous system. So my question to you is, how do you know when it's too much? Like, how can you discern when you're already at this tipping point where if you go beyond it, it's, it's actually going to be not good for you to go into the trauma and go into the trigger? Because I feel like for some people, it might be just not as clear, you know, where, where is this boundary? Like, where where should I stop? Yeah, I think it's really about capacity, like building capacity. And I couldn't do like I couldn't go into the trigger immediately in the past. It, it was like I felt it, but I couldn't. I didn't have the capacity. And what I mean by that is to access the emotion that you have from a regulated state. So I feel the anger, but I also can feel that I'm an adult and I have choices and I am not helpless and I can decide what I want to do. And I can feel like I'm accessing this emotion 
from the past, like the this child emotion, but I can still feel that I'm in the present. So that's really important for me because when I learned to feel those emotions, it was really about learning to feel them from safety so that the emotions are not tied to trauma anymore. It's like I feel sad or I feel angry, but I don't feel scared that I feel sad. In the past, I used to feel really, really, really scared that I'm sad or really scared that I'm angry and I wouldn't know what to do with it. So now how I check in is I see if my body's really resisting. If my body is really resisting, it can look like I start yawning a lot or I will start thinking a lot and I'm not able to stay with my emotion in the moment. And so I now push myself a little bit, um, not to an extreme, but like I push myself to see, okay, can I regulate a little more before I access the emotion in the moment? Like, can I actually just, again, come back to the back of my body, feel the chair supporting my back, feel the ground beneath my feet? Okay, now let's see what I feel again. What What's happening in my chest right now? Is there sadness? Is there frustration? Is there disgust? Is there anger? What can I do with it? How can I move it? If my body keeps resisting and resisting and resisting and I keep feeling numb or I keep feeling um, dissociated or I have a lot of thoughts or I'm yawning, then I'm just going to put it away and just be like, okay, not today. We can come back to this. There's a lifetime to come back to it. <laughs> oh, yes, there's a lifetime of healing ahead of us. So we can as well heal it later, right? <laughs> That, that's funny but yeah it's it's so true and I feel like yes. I've been there where I was uh, feel like even healing myself a little bit too much because I discovered wow my life is actually feeling so much better after I do this but there are some situations in life or some you know stages of your life that you might actually be better off not healing yourself at all in these moments right because it might be actually too much for you and so how to build this capacity, this window of, window of tolerance, you might say, and in your view, how can we build it the best? Because for me, for example, I feel like my capacity grew the more I started doing the shadow work, the inner child work, the more traumas I've gone through, the deeper I could go and the more I could stand as well, right? So it was just about practicing like yoga or like uh, going to the gym or anything else that you practice. But what else could we do to like expand this window of tolerance that we have in our nervous system? Yeah, it is. It, it really is a practice and it takes time and people think that it's just going to happen overnight, but it's not. It takes time. It can take years. For me, it took years and I'm sure it's going to grow more and more and more to the point where I would get triggered and I can immediately go into just being present and, and see the trigger rather than be in the trigger. Um, for me, what helped the most is really practicing every single day, just feeling my body, feeling my sensations, noticing what's happening in my chest, what's happening in my belly, like just sitting with my eyes closed as a meditation and scanning my whole body and really practicing this focused attention on sensations. So rather than, you know, being in meditation and chanting or thinking, you know, just focusing on one word. It was more focused attention on my body. I practice this every single day and it really makes a huge difference. Um, this focused attention is 
again, it's a skill to be able to stay present with what is happening inside of you. And then we can challenge ourselves. And when we're triggered, it's again to stay present with what's happening inside of you, not the other person or people, but what is happening for you. And then again, you know, when I would dive into trauma, like not in the middle of a trigger, but just talking about things that have happened in my life, it would really help me to not go into the story. And this is where coaching and therapy has been so helpful. Not go into the story and start to really unpack exactly um, what happened in the details, but feel it in my body, feel that constriction in my body, that tightness, maybe numbness, and then go to a space that feels good and then come back to the constriction. And then, and this is all with again, focused attention. And eventually it's like that pendulum. You feel that sense of relief and coming back to your body and yourself. And what you're doing with pendulation, which is Dr. Peter Levine's tool is you're actually teaching your nervous system to get into regulation faster, which it knows how to do, but we get stuck. That's what happens due to trauma. So we are teaching our nervous system to do this, what it knows already, but faster. Mm, yeah, so it's like building muscle on the gym, right? It's like, okay, you go this way, this way, this way, this way. And then it's like, oh yeah, I know already how to switch from one perspective to the other. That's easy. So yeah, I feel like I really like this uh, pendulum method because that's like a switch from one to the other and then the body is like oh yeah we've done it a million times so we can easily go from super triggered to not the triggered or not triggered at all uh, so yeah thank you this is really really great what you're sharing here with us uh, i'm sure that everyone who listens and enjoys it as well and the Uh, I would love to also ask, because I know that you have a, a free masterclass of Ignited Life and Business, um, and I know that oh, one of your specialties, let's say, is to work with people who feel maybe stuck and overwhelmed with, in their life. Um, and I would like to talk about this a little bit, and also um, because I, I'm thinking of, like, what do you feel are the reasons for people feeling burned out and feeling overwhelmed? Like what are the main reasons that you saw with your clients or with yourself as well that why people feel burned out? Like, and of course, uh, then <laughs> what we can do about it. Yeah. So I think it's really about trauma. It really comes down to trauma. You know, in my first business, I really, um, it was like, a trauma response. So that, that is what it was. It was really cool. I had my first coach. She told me that and she, she was actually a medium and she, I worked with her for one hour and she was like, your business is a trauma response. And I was like, whoa, like I didn't know what it meant at all at the time, but I could like feel it in my bones, how true that is. And essentially what happens is that we start to run life or business, which I think is the same thing, parallel process. We start to really be reactive and we run it from this trauma response, survival response. So there's this beautiful sentence, I can't remember who said it, one of my teachers, that when we experience trauma, our brain knows that we survived, our mind knows that, okay, the trauma is over but our sensations in our body and our emotions don't. So we continue to live life as if that danger is right around the corner. 
And this is in our body. We cannot think our way out of it. We cannot say, you know, it's not true. Everything's fine. We know that in our mind, but our body is not on board with that. So it's really about, you know, we start to run our business as if I remember, I mean, this was me in my life and in my business. Like every person is dangerous. Every person wants to take my money. Um, No one wants to pay me. All of these beliefs in the mind, they are actually a body physical experience and we can shift them from the body, not by thinking about it, not by doing mindset work about it in my perspective, because believe me, I tried, God knows, Um, I've tried so hard. It's like not trusting, not feeling like you have a choice, not feeling like Um, You have agency and power to change things, to create things in your business and in your life. And so what we can do about it is really to go into the body and first and foremost, understand that these are survival responses, which really help us with, helps us with compassion because we understand, okay, this is the way that I'm behaving with my business. It's not how it should be. It's not how everybody's doing. Um, it's just a trauma response. And, oh, oh, I think you popped off. Hopefully you'll come back, but I'll just keep, I'll keep going. Um, and it's just a trauma survival response within our body. And understanding that really gives us a lot of compassion. And then what we can do is we can, oh, I think you're coming back. <laughs> Yeah, you're back. You popped off for a second. Okay. Um, so just understanding that, that, you know, it, it's, we are in a survival response when we do that. Um, even for example, I worked with a client and she was a coach as well, and she needed to set up the systems for her business, you know, talk to lawyers and different, different systems for her business. And she noticed that every time she would even approach doing it, she would go into freeze. And so we really understood, okay, this is, it's not how everybody reacts, right? Because we think this is the normal way because this is stressful, it's new, but not everybody reacts this way. It is your unique nervous system and it's now in a survival response. So let's see, how can we actually regulate before you start this project or before you work with this client, you know, I had this with sales calls. I would just go into total freeze and it would affect me for days, days of being completely shut down in my whole life and in my business. So I really use pendulation a lot. I actually had a friend who helped me with it and my therapist, and it was amazing. Just imagining I'm on a sales call. How do I feel? And then I'm laying in this lake that I love and I'm just peaceful. How do I feel? And coming back and forth and just continuing to do that allowed me to feel more regulated during sales calls, to feel more present and to know that I'm not in danger. And do I know why I felt that way? I have guesses, you know, I I have guesses. It has to do with money. It has to do with a lot of financial trauma that that runs in my family for generations. But I don't know the exact reason. Like, it's not that I was five years old on a sales call and it traumatized (laughs) me, right? So this is what's beautiful. (laughs) This is what's beautiful about the nervous system work is that actually we don't need to know the story and it's not helpful 
to know the story. It's helpful to be in the moment and say, I'm in a trauma response, I'm dysregulated. Okay, let's regulate. And then if I want to work deeper with this trauma, what emotions are coming up for me? as I think of a sales call or as I think of all these service providers that I have to work with and figure out my business or whatever it is, what are the emotions and how can I actually move through them in my body from this regulation? Mm, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. It's really, really inspiring. I really like uh, this method of visualizing like unpleasant and pleasant and unpleasant and pleasant. So then, yeah, you can really build this muscle of your nervous system. But I want to touch upon what you just said about uh, not being useful to know the story. I agree to the degree because I ultimately believe that the most important work we can do on ourselves is the emotional work because the emotions are actually what's stopping us and giving us the filter of reality and per perception of specific things through the trigger rather than through what it is, right? But also I feel like for some people who are very mentally based, I mean, they, are, they have very big intellectual uh, part of them, like me in the past, it's actually maybe at the start of their journey, it's actually really good to know what happened exactly to make them feel like this because... For me, sometimes even if I work with people and I bring them to this original childhood trauma from how they feel right now, which what kind of a negative emotion they feel now, to then original trauma the first time that this emotion has ever happened to them, even sometimes only through understanding like, aha, uh -huh, this is why I'm feeling like I'm feeling now, already some of this is gone. <laughs> some of this trigger, some of this emotional charge is already released because they understand, and I think that they understand it intellectually too, um, because this is what happened. Okay, so that's why. Maybe not because I, you know, screwed up somehow or not because of this and that. And I think that for people who haven't got really this um, practice of emotions yet, that, you know, um, I don't know, that good, <laughs> just simply, um, that it could be actually very helpful for them to know the story and to know where it came from. Because then whenever they feel something in their body, it's like, okay, that's probably a situation in my childhood where something happened and it made me feel like this or that. And maybe afterwards, they don't need to know the story to focus on their feelings. But I feel like at the beginning, for especially, you know, for people who are uh, quite... Uh, I don't know, doubtful of the method or doubtful of uh, just how or how feeling emotions can help me even, you know, for these kind of people, I think sometimes to know the story and to know what happened and to know how it made them feel exactly this kind of situation could be really helpful to just move through it. And then to, as we said before, to understand ourselves on a deeper level and to see ourselves as well as a kid, because if you can actually a kid inside, right? <laughs> because if you can actually go and re-experience the traumatic event, you can see yourself as an inner child. And in the process that I'm doing, you're also reparenting your inner child. So you're coming as the adult, as an external perspective, and you're coming to this inner child and you really can see yourself from the outside in a way, um, this inner child of ours, then this can bring more compassion and more understanding towards ourselves. And I think this element could be very, very helpful. And for some people, I think very important. So I agree that yes, the expressing the emotions and focusing on the emotions is the most crucial part in healing ever. Uh, that's what I feel uh, is true for me, at least based on my experience so far. I don't know, I can always change my mind, uh, but <laughs> I reserve the right to always change my mind, you know, based on the experiences I have. But I also feel like for some people that could be really helpful right. to know this story, to know what happens. So um, do you have anything to say about that? <laughs> 
Yeah, I I definitely resonate that for myself in the beginning of my journey, it would be very, very difficult to just feel into my body. And always my first instinct was, I need to understand, I need to know. And I think, I mean, with my clients, I definitely talk with them. You know, it's not that we are in the body like the whole session. And it also very much depends, like someone who is more regulated, we can be in the body for longer. Someone who's more dysregulated, we talk more. And for me now, I find that the talking piece is really just about co-regulation. Like they feel me, I feel them, they start to feel safe. Um, But honestly, it's funny because my therapist would kind of force me into this all the time. And I would be like, I hate you. (laughs) Like I would just, you know, I would start telling her something and she's like, what do you feel in your body? And I was like, no, I want to tell you, I want to finish. And Sometimes, you know, but she she was like, what's more helpful? You know, what's more helpful to you? It's to be in your body. And I'm really grateful for that, even though for me, talking is like a huge mode of expression and I need that and we all need it for sure. It's just that when I am triggered in that moment, thinking about it and understanding where it's coming from in that very moment literally does not help at all for me. And this is what I just teach my clients. And I know it's so tricky because we want to analyze because this is the survival brain. It's like, wait, is this right? Is this wrong? Why do I feel like this? What happened when I was five to make me feel like this? And I just found that I practice over and over. And now I'm, I'm getting pretty damn good at just dropping in. Like, oh, you're analyzing, unhelpful, drop in. And so I'm able to do it so much faster. Um, But I understand exactly what you're saying, that I think it is part of a trauma survival response for people to really like be analytical and like, no, but I need to understand and why, why are we doing this? So I really like to just explain to them, first of all, through my story of I, I understand what you're going through. I've always wanted to analyze and I've been there too. And to really explain to them that feeling is like digestion. If we have an event that happened to us and we allow ourselves to feel everything, we digest it and then it doesn't weigh us down. So I love explaining all these pieces and then the regulation and all of that to really like educate people. And of course, if they want to share they do, I love for them to share from regulation. So if they're really frantic or if they're really shut down and they're telling me about past trauma, it can dysregulate them even more when they're just remembering all of this and their body goes numb. So it's really important for me to make sure that they're very, very regulated as they're sharing. You know, I I remember I used to talk about my trauma and would just totally get dysregulated. And now I can really be present as I share my my stories. So that's really powerful. Mm. Yeah, that's really uh, amazing. And it's interesting for me. And that's why I have uh, more questions about that, because I feel like um, your work and my work is very uh, complementary. Like you can you can use both uh, approaches to what we are doing. And I feel like, because for example, for me, when I'm triggered, my ideal reality when I'm triggered is that I have space, maybe like one or two hours where I can just go close myself in a room or close myself with someone who knows how to uh, go through the trauma with me. And then based on how I'm feeling in the trigger, I would go back to childhood. I would express everything I felt 
as a kid in the specific memory. And then I would, uh, you know, do the, the other parts of the process. It's called the completion process by Teal Swan, the methods that, that I'm using for that. And then I'm coming back more regulated after I've gone through the trauma, after I reprogrammed the, the memory in my own mind, because I like to do it this way, because how I see it is that we have an emotional charge in a way, like we have stuck emotion in our body. And so if I, for example, get triggered and then I straight away regulate myself, I don't know, and this is my question to you, how much of this emotional charge that is still stuck within my body? Because, you know, when I guide clients, it's like, okay, how do you feel? Oh, I feel, I don't know, nervous. And where do you feel it? In my throat. And then what is it? How, what is the shape and color? And it's a black cloud, let's say, right? So this black cloud that we have in the throat that is stuck needs to be somehow released. And so my question is like, what about release in this regulation? Like, how does it play out? Because I feel like if I go back to the childhood trauma and feel it and release it, I'm not talking like, oh, in the past, this is what happened. It's like, no, this approach is more like, now I'm feeling like this, now I'm feeling triggered. So then what is this emotion telling me? Like, what is the first, when is the, was the first time that I felt exactly this emotion? Not talking about just random traumas that happened to us, but specifically what's alive right now and then going to this original trauma of what's alive right now. And then I feel like for me to release this emotional charge based on the childhood trauma feels like the most effective thing for, for myself, right? For, for what I've experienced, just because I feel like if I try to regulate myself in this moment, I might not access this depth of an emotion that will enable me to release all of this black cloud from my throat, let's say in this example, right? So how does it play out? Um, and what, what is it like from your perspective when it comes to this release part of the emotions? Mm -hmm. That's really fascinating. I feel like this is my hypothesis that maybe you have an easier time accessing your emotion. And for me, from my experience, and I guess we also attract people that are kind of similar to us because people ask me all the time, what are even emotions? I have no idea how to feel them at all. And it's so intimidating. Um, I grew up in a very emotionally neglectful atmosphere. So we barely talked about emotions. Whenever I would feel sad, for example, my mom would just freak out and she will tell me now, like this is how it was even when I was a baby, teenager, all the things. And so for me, there was like an added layer on top of emotion with like guilt and shame and a lot of fear. So when I would feel an emotion like forming in my body, first the fear came and the fear was so overwhelming that it just wouldn't let me access the real emotion. It, it was like a barrier and that's all I could feel. So that's why I kind of teach and I do this myself first doing the regulation because the regulation settles my nervous system from this fear and then I can feel the deep sadness or anger and the the way that I move through the emotion then is with anger it's just either imagining in my mind it always does work if I imagine or I would do it like just taking the anger out whatever way my body wants whether it's like hitting the ground or pushing or saying no you know with all my mind whatever I want in that moment with the anger and with other emotions, it's really about staying with it and feeling it and just allowing it to get really intense and then 
calm down. And something that I really like to use and I teach is to imagine the emotion taking up more space because often it's like really really this constricted little thing this pain and so like relaxing into the emotion imagining that it's taking up more of my chest and my stomach and all of my upper body and staying with it as much as I can focusing on just feeling in my body and then it just kind of just floats away and then I can feel like so clear and present and really really myself Mm. Yes, because that's when you allow the emotion to come up rather than resisting it, right? Because the resistance creates a problem, resistance to the feeling, not the feeling itself. It's just our resistance that we were like, nope, we're not going to feel this. This is what creates pain and suffering. Because if we were okay with everything, if we were happy to be sad and happy to be angry and happy to be anything, <laughs> we, would, we would just allow anything to come up and then we would be at peace because anything that would come up our way would be okay for us, right? So yeah, thank you so much for sharing and generally for sharing your beautiful energy with us. It's been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So last one quick question uh, for all of these people who listen to you and who you uh, who would like to learn from you how to regulate their nervous system and all about your work what is the easiest way for them to find you or contact you just on instagram is always the easiest um it's at marina.y.t amazing thank you so so much it's been really cool to talk to you and to share these different perspectives and i feel like i'm gonna certainly use this pendulum method that you shared today i'm gonna try it out next time i feel uh, triggered i'm gonna try it out for sure it's really exciting uh, for me because i love all these different methods of you know developing and growing so thanks again it's been really wonderful to have you yeah, thank you so much, Carolina. I feel like I also, like you gave me a lot of food for thought. So I love this conversation so much. Thank you. Thank you, beautiful souls, for listening to us. And I hope that you got a lot out of this conversation because I certainly did. If you would like to contact me and either be interviewed on the podcast or maybe you need some inner child work or deep trauma, emotional release, uh, you can find me on The Connection Catalyst on my Instagram. So. Thank you again for being with us and stay tuned to the next episode.